0: Thank you, Brother Bob. All right, Jessica is going to sing, and then we'll get into our message today. Jessica? <clears throat> And today's Father's Day. So again, we wanna say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and, and uh, have a message today on Father's Day, and I already got contacted from several of my children this morning. Many of you fathers probably did too, which would be a happy Father's Day. Trisha sent me a really nice gift. She sent me a coffee cup, and it's her curmudgeon coffee cup. Her and I are curmudgeons, and we even have a we even have a, a theme song that we sing to one another. And uh, so she sent that to me, and I showed her my my cup. You know, a, a curmudgeon, just no cranky, crouchy person. And uh, so we're we're a team curmudgeons. She's much like me in many ways, especially in that area. So uh, I've already got a treat from her, and others. I'm looking forward to lunch this afternoon. So I hope you have a good Father's Day, gentlemen, and your family treats you just as good. Maybe you'll get a curmudgeon cup. That would be wonderful. All right, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 38 in verse 19. This is an excellent verse for my thoughts today. Isaiah chapter 38 in verse 19. Notice what Isaiah says. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. Well, that's the job of a father. Make known the Lord to his children. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful verse. And what an inspiration and challenge it is to us. We pray that the message will help everyone here today, not just fathers, but all that are listening. And bless this service, Lord. We pray that we do you honor on this Father's Day as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My thought today is the influence of fathers, influence of fathers. Throughout the scripture, we're told of the importance of the role of the father in the family, in the home. And God in his wisdom and God in his wonderful divine plan chose to place a mother and a father as co-parents in one family. That's That's the plan of God. It doesn't always work that way, but that's the original plan of God. And a child needs the loving touch of a mother, absolutely, but he also needs the loving strength of a godly father, if that can be. And this morning, for time's sake, I'm not going to deal with all the merits and benefits of fatherhood and of a two-parent home, but I just want to mention the father's influence as the importance today. If you're a father here today, you're important to your family. If you're a man in the local church, you're important to the family of God here. Many children are watching our lives. And we don't think they pay much attention, but oh, they do. They're taking notes, not just on paper, but in their heart. And so let's remember that. And Isaiah says in 38 and 19 again, he says, The living, the living, uh, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. It's my job, your job as a father to give the spiritual things of God to your children. Be a good example and so forth. I got a little poem I liked here. I read it the other day. My my earthly father, it's entitled, and it's by Mary Fairchild. My earthly father, I like this. With these three words, dear heavenly father, I begin my every prayer. But the man I see while on bended knee is always my earthly dad. His is the image of the divine father reflecting the nature of God. For his love and care and the faith he, he, he shares pointed me to the Father above. That's a good poem. I like that. And again, it emphasizes the importance of fathering, especially in Christian families. Amen. And so today, God's Word tells us several things about the influence of fathers, and I want to get into those and, and move on. And Pastor Williams has another thought for us tonight on the subject of Father's Day. But I want you to notice in Ephesians chapter 3, if you want to go there, some of these, for time's sake, I will just mention, read for you, but occasionally we'll ask you to turn to a verse. And today we go to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 11 through 14. Ephesians 3, 11 through 14. And here we see that Paul writes, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with the confidence uh, by the faith of him. Notice the word boldness and access. Verse 13, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, Paul is speaking here a prayer, going to the Father on their behalf. Now, the first thing I want to say tonight about, or this morning, about God's Word, talking about the influence of fathers, the influence of men in the life of children, is fathers should influence their children in prayer, with prayer. It's important. The Apostle Paul knew that it was important that he got a hold of prayer for the good of the church, for the good of the body of Christ, for the saints, and of course, as well as those that needed to be saved. Paul was a prayer warrior. Paul knew that he needed to pray and that others depended on him to get a hold of God for them. And I wonder this morning, who's depending on us men to pray? I know my kids sometimes will call and say, Dad, would you pray about this? And Dad, there's a matter in the church, would you pray about that? And I'm glad they can call Dad and say, Dad will pray about it. And we do need to pray for our children and the things that concern them. As fathers, we cannot judge that something is important and less important. If it's important to your child, pray about it. Amen? Daniel uh, called me this week. Some exciting news. The church has been growing. They've been praying for property, praying for a new building. They've grown out a couple of them already. And there was one they really liked, but it was just too big, just too big for them to handle, too big of a price tag. And there was another property they were praying about. Well, it looks like the Lord's going to give them that other property, and it's enough room there for about five, six more years of growth in ministry. And he's all excited, and what he's excited about is he said, Dad, I don't want other churches to help us uh, pay the monthly payments, so it's got to be our people tithing and giving, and, and they're ready to do this. They're ready to sign, and he's so excited. But he said, I am asking my churches that support me to help us with some of the renovations. And he said, I, I'm okay with that. And I said, we are too. We'll do something. Amen, your, your home church. But it's exciting to see that ministry grow. And it's exciting for Daniel early on to say, Dad, pray about this. Would you pray about this? And now seeing some answers to prayer. So our children are asking things of us. And we as fathers need to be on praying ground. We don't need to be getting right with God so we can pray for our children when they're in a problem or they're going through a trial. We need to be right with God. We, uh, First Thessalonians 5.25 says, brethren, pray for us. It's imperative for us as fathers. It's imperative for us as men and ladies, the leadership of, in the church, that we pray for the children and lift them up in prayer. And It's important for unsaved fathers. I never know if I have someone in services that is an unsaved person. And so, because it's Father's Day, I mentioned Father, but if there's an unsaved individual here today, uh, you, need to get, you need to get saved because, listen, your prayers mean nothing until you have a relationship with the Heavenly Father through the Son. Your prayer is a repentance prayer. Your prayer should be, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and save my soul. That's when you get access to the throne of God. So when God created man way back in the garden, the Lord had a plan for something, a plan for fellowship. His desire was to fellowship with his creation in that beautiful place. But of course, man, uh, he succumbed to Satan's temptation. He sinned. And of course, that plunged the whole human race into non-fellowship with God. You remember Adam and Eve were in the cool of the garden and they talked with God and then they sinned and then they were hiding from God. And God doesn't want us not to have fellowship with him. Amen? And then God had an early plan, not only to fellowship with mankind, but God also had a first plan that men and women cohabitate in holy matrimony, not in non-holy matrimony. And we've gone, hardly anybody even mentions that anymore. It's like a given thing. It's okay. It's not okay. People that cohabitate together ought to be married. Amen. And they ought to be a good example to the children and others that are looking toward them. The original plan of God and the home and family is one man and one woman for one lifetime. And we've gotten away from that too. And so we have to understand this is God's original plan. And things happen. I understand that. But this is God's original plan for what? The good of the home, the good of the country, the good of the world. And we've gotten so far away from that. But I say to the men that are listening to this sermon today, in the next hour they'll be listening online, I say to you, God desires for you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And oftentimes when men do not know the Lord, they think they get into some trouble, and oh God, help me, that does good. If you're truly repentant, and you're asking God to save your soul, and you call out to Him, He's hearkening. But you've got to know Him as your God. And uh, the Bible says that God wants all to be saved. God doesn't want anybody to miss out on salvation. Uh, he says in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but as suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, it's interesting, God never said all should come to salvation. He mentions repentance, because repentance is an evidence that somebody's serious. Repentance means they're turning from their sin and their lifestyle and their thinking and their philosophy, and they're turning to what God says, and they're going to walk with God in the truth. A lot of people want a little bit of religion when it's helpful to them. But God doesn't want religion. God wants a relationship. He's always wanted a relationship. Way back to the garden, he wanted a relationship with his creation. And the creation sinned and therefore lost their fellowship with God. You know, we've sinned after we get saved. We do. But then the Bible says that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can have that relationship restored. Amen. And I thank God that God is no respecter of persons. He'll save anybody that will truly repent and receive Jesus as Savior. 1 John 2, 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means covering, atonement, blood has been applied. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. Anybody, Anybody in the world can be saved. Any, any group, any, any education level, any uh, uh, back, family background, any color, any race, all this, anybody can be saved. But they must repent and believe on Jesus. First John 4.10, here is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be a propitiation or a covering for our sin. So why did Jesus die on the cross? He had to shed his blood to cover our sin debt. And everybody wants a a crucifix crucifix to wear on a chain or on a a tie pin or something like that, and that's okay, but that's not going to save anybody. It's the cross of Jesus Christ, and it wasn't a pretty cross. It was a bloody cross. It was a gory cross. He died for our sins. He became sin for us who knew no sin. And I say to any person listening, if you will look to God... In repentance and faith, he will save your soul. And I, I have a number of things here. I have to run through them for time. But I, I say anyway, if someone's here today and you're not saying, please, please, turn to Jesus and be born again. You need the new birth. You need an inward heart change. John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as receive him, to them gave you power uh, to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. And then uh, for 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, Wherefore are given unto us exceeding uh, great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. See, our nature when we're lost is is, is satanic. We have the fleshly nature, the old man, but we need the new nature which comes to the new birth in Jesus Christ. If anybody's here today and you're not saved, you need to turn to Jesus to be your refuge. The Bible teaches in Psalm 9.9, 9, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. The word refuge means, it means a defense, a refuge, a high tower, a, a high fort. And that's what the Lord is. He's our stronghold in the day of trouble. In Psalm 62.8, Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. In Isaiah 25, 4, For thou hast been a a strength to the poor and strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blasts of terrible one is, uh, is as a storm against a wall. Hey, I thank God that Jesus is my refuge. He's my high tower. He's the place I can run and hide from the troubles that come my way. Jesus is a faithful refuge, we're told in in Psalm 16. He is a comforting refuge, uh, John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. He's there to comfort us. He is a satisfying refuge, Psalm 63.5. My soul shall be satisfied with the morrow and the fatness. I like that verse, morrow and fatness. I love that verse, morrow and fatness. My soul shall be satisfied with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Praise the Lord. Now I say something else to fathers. Maybe there's a dad here. Maybe there's a man here today. You're not saved. If you're a person here and you're not saved, turn to Jesus Christ as a sure foundation to build a life upon. You know why so many lives fail? You know why so many people are messed up today? They have no foundation. They don't have a home life foundation. They don't have a marital foundation. they never seen anybody in their life that had a good marriage. Listen, you know what will change that? Turn to Jesus Christ. He'll be the foundation of your life. He'll help you turn things around. Amen. He will instruct you in the right way. Seems like everybody wants to go the wrong way. But Jesus wants you to go the right way. Psalm 32 and verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. And I will guide thee with mine eye. You know, we can't see the forest for the trees. We just can't. But God will guide us. Uh, you ever see a picture of a, little, a father holding a little boy or a little girl's hand, taking a walk? God's holding our hand and taking us through this life, and we need him. Uh, he'll be your sure hope in a hopeless world. And boy, if there's ever a hopeless world, it's the one today that we're seeing fall apart right before our very eyes. In First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just look at Jesus. He's not falling apart. Turn to Jesus Christ and you'll know true joy and happiness. You know, the, 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 I heard this years ago and I never forgot it. Happiness means happiness in things. Happiness in events. You know, oh, that was a good time because you went and did something. Or you got something. But that's not what we need. Everybody can have happiness at some point. We need joy. Joy's on the inside. That's a gift from God. And this joy and happiness comes because we have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. John 14 and verse 27. John 5 and verse 1, or Romans 5 and verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe there's somebody here, you don't have peace with God. Your life's a mess. You don't have a good foundation. You're looking for answers. The answer is Jesus Christ always has been, always will be. And so please, if you're not saved, you cannot be a good father. Men, you cannot be a good man in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot be what God created us to be and wants us to be without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'll say this, turn to Jesus Christ while there's yet time. There's still time. How do you know, preacher? We're still here. The church is gone, then it's going to get a little thin. But it's almost getting out of here time. I believe it. And the days are short and fleeting. Even life. Look at Job. Go to the book of Job, if you would, chapter 14. And I haven't gave you too much trouble this morning with turning your Bible, but I will a few. And uh, that's all because of time. I need to get done at a certain time, you know, because next... I have so much more liberty in the morning service like this. I'm really not worried about saying the wrong thing, although I say wrong things. I had something I wanted to say two or three times, and I want to say it with all my heart with all my flesh but I'm not going to I'm going to behave myself but it's pretty funny I think and so I don't know if you want to know come see me privately but I'm going to behave myself but uh, we're looking at here that we can have peace with God but there's not much time left if you keep passing it up friend if you keep seeing no to God you're going to miss your opportunity to be saved and I'll tell you it's short time but in Job chapter 14 in verse 2 we look at these words. It says, He cometh forth like a flower, and is cut down. His, he fleeth as a shadow, and, a, and continueth not. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about you and I. Our life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow, James says. Amen. And, and we're, all through the Bible, we're talking about the shortness of life. And we just don't have a whole lot of life. The days are even shorter. Amen. The opportunity to receive Christ is today. Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. We're talking about Father's Day. You want to bless your house, your children, your grandchildren? Get saved. And then when you get saved, get saved. I mean, get saved from this world by getting in the Word and obeying Christ and getting in a good church and following the Lord. Stop your foolishness. Stop all the things you think are right that you know are wrong inside. Stop it. Stop it. And follow Jesus. It's time to repent and receive Christ. Amen. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. For time's sake, I'll move on. But here's what it says here. Solomon wrote these words. Remember now, thy creator, in the days of thy youth, why the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Young people, listen to me. You need Jesus as your Savior. And just because you were raised in a Christian home, went to church your whole life, doesn't mean you're saved and going to heaven. You can have what is called religion. And let's say, time tells. Because we see a lot of kids, they, they go to junior church and they go to Sunday school and they vacation Bible school and they go off to camp and they go off to mission trips. Sometimes when they get to Bible college, we hear, oh, so and so got saved. How'd that happen? Because they're lost and need a Savior. Going to church won't make you go to heaven. It's a good way to be somewhere where the environment is the gospel and Jesus, but you personally, kids, you have to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to be your Savior, or you're just a religious person. And as you grow older, the truth of your heart will come out. Amen. Proof's in the pudding. Amen. And so men, dads, fathers, anyone... Please consider your eternal soul because life is short and you'll meet God just one of these days and so fathers should be influenced to their children in prayer Paul shows us this and then we have to know as fathers that when we don't pray for our families our children our grandchildren don't we'll pray for our church kids our church family we're sinning now, in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23, the Bible says, "Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Here's the man of God that wasn't praying for people. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Boy, I'll tell you as a church member, you ought to hope that your pastor's praying for you. Amen. I pray for our families. I have the directories. I go through them. And some names come to mind certain days and others don't as far as what a particular thing going on in their life. But I pray for you. I hope you're praying for me. Yes. But I pray for you. Why? We need prayer. Yes, yes, a Father, teach your children to pray. The best way you can teach your child to pray is pray yourself. And they'll see you. Do your children ever see you pray that? Certainly, they see you pray. Mama, anybody ever pray? You ought to get caught praying. It ought to be something that's just in your life. Be an example. You can tell your kids all day, you better have a walk with God. You better read your Bible. You better do right. They need us to do those things. Secondly, the Father's influence to their children is their own obedience to God. In Joshua chapter 6, turn there if you would. We've been in the book of Joshua. I've enjoyed that study. And uh, Joshua really was a man of God. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 3 through 5, we read these words and we drop down to one more verse. He's our example of obedience this morning. In uh, uh, Joshua chapter 6, verse 3, And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, talking to the men, and go round about the city once, thus shalt thou do six times. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets, the ram's horns. And, and the seventh day ye shall Come past the city seven times, and the priest shall blow with the trumpets. And it came to pass that when they uh, make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Look at verse 20. It says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And they came to pass, when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Now, that plan seemed kind of silly. March around, march around, march around, and shout, and the walls come down. Come on. It happened just like God said. But thank God there were some men that believed, and some men that practiced, and they had a leader in Joshua that told them, listen, your children learn obedience by you being obedient. And boy, if we need that today, we, I, we certainly need that today. Children, listen, they don't, well, they don't need to hear from us, do as I say, not as I do. They need to see us do. Amen. And then they'll practice true faith in, in Christianity and in Christ. And then fathers should influence their children with patience. Now, I, I'm not good at this one. This one stings a little bit. But I put it, i was being honest, I'm putting it in. I mean, it's preaching to me right now. Fathers should influence their children with patience. James chapter 5 and verse 11, behold, we count them happy which endure. I like that word, endure. You, shall, uh, you have heard the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Boy, if anybody knew patience, it was Job. The Bible says, hey, you want to know about patience? Look at Job. Look at all the problems Job went through. What a man What a man of faith. What a man of godliness. But what a man of patience. I am not patient. I am not. And I'm constantly learning more. I don't know if I'll ever get it down before the Lord takes me home. I have trouble with patience. Amen. And uh, we, Job, I can't preach this. I don't have time. But if you could today, <clears throat> go to the book of Job or sometime this week when you're having devotion or family devotion, that'd be good. The book of Job chapter 1 says that Job was attacked by Satan himself. Lots of times we think we're attacked by Satan himself. Nah, he got bigger fish to fry than you and me. I mean, amen? He, he'll send just a devil at you or devils. And there may be times that you do. Where you, got the, you got the real guy. You got the real, you got the real devil after you. But most times it's not. It's the world and the flesh and then Satan. He knows what to throw at us. And Job attacked Satan, or excuse me, Job was attacked by Satan himself, not another. And how was he attacked? We know his home and his family was attacked. There's one thing I I can put up with a lot, but when my family starts getting attacked, that's a different matter. When my children start getting hurt, that's a different matter. Job had to endure unusual disasters in Job chapter 1. Remember, the Sabaeans came and they took his livestock, and then a fire came from the sky and devoured all the sheep, and then the Chaldeans came and took away his camels. I told my wife, I got up this morning, I had a dream there was a camel in my bedroom. (laughs) I lay down and somehow, in my mind, in my dream, it came through my bedroom. It was like a road going through, and here comes a car. Right by my bed, and then a camel, this guy leading the camel. And his my, th- my thought was, I hope that camel don't do what camels do in my bed. <laughs> I'm serious. And so, not, like, I wouldn't want a camel, but Job had a bunch of camels. Amen? And in this thing, he lost everything. In this struggle, in this trial, in this attack, he lost it all. But here's what was really bad. He lost all of his children in one day. Roof. Roof caved in on all of them. Killed them. How terrible. That's one of the worst things pastoring is to do a funeral for a child. And I've done funerals for some families that have multiple child, children die. And it was a hard thing for me to do because their family had something in their bloodline that caused their children to die young. It was horrible. I hate it. Job lost them all. And then Job lost all his wealth and all his substance. And then... His wife. His wife accuses him. She questions him. She insults him. She ridicules him. She makes a statement to him, dost thou not retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. I mean, that's, when your wife turns on you at a time of trouble, that's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. But then, that's not the worst. Job was, Job was smote in his body with boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. The misery he lived in. Taking pot shard, a broken pot, scraping himself to get some kind of relief. You talk about a sad story. But Job stood the test. He stood the test through patience. I I, I read his story. I'm telling you, I couldn't do, I don't think I could do what he did. But at the end of the story... God rewards him for his faithfulness. And he gets it all back. Amen. What a wonderful story of redemption. Fathers, if God wants anything for you today to get this, be patient. Be patient with your family. Be patient with your dear wife. Be patient with your children. They're children. Children make mistakes. I know as a father, I get upset with something. Nowadays, it doesn't upset me. It's just different. But, oh, give us patience. Be, listen, as a church family, let's be patient with one another. Pay, that's what we need today. Fathers should influence their children with faith, obviously. Hebrews 11:8 talks about Abraham. He had faith. He was the father of faith. Turn to Hebrews 11. We've got just a little bit, so hang with me. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse eight, We're told by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. Here's a man of faith. You know, today I'm thinking of Tom. Tom and Jen, they're over at uh, Brother Sharpetti's church, Westview Baptists, and it's a, they're just opening up again to go present their work, and they're going to go down to BIMI, and it, things are starting to move again. And I'm so excited for them, and they're excited. But you know, they have made a commitment, and they've sold their home, and they've they're ready to do what God wants them to do. And that's a big step. And I respect them so much for that. We need to pray for them. Because I'll tell you what, they will have trial after trial after trial, test after test about their faith. But God will use them greatly. So pray for them. Amen. When I think of Abraham's faith, I think of Tom today. Pray for him. Abraham, what did he do? He left the Ur of Calvary. He left his hometown, his family, his friends, everything that he was used to. To go to a place that God didn't even tell him where he was going. It would be one thing he said, okay, go down to Florida. Now, oh, don't you go to Hawaii for a while. Uh, uh, Paris, France is a nice place. So go to Paris. He didn't, tell him, he, he didn't even know where he was going. And he left everything to go where he didn't even know where he was going. And by faith, Abraham, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 9, he journeyed to the land of Canaan. He didn't know anything about those folks. But he went because God told him to go. By faith, Abraham surrendered and yielded to God. Here's the big test. Hebrews eleven seventeen. 17. I can't go there for time. He had to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. I can't even imagine. But he did it. And God intervened. And sometimes you know what God's looking for us to do? He's looking for us to make that step. And then God shows up. We want to see everything. And sometimes serving God is a matter of stepping forward in faith, believing, and then God does what we need. This is a miraculous. Boy, do our children, listen, do our families need to see men that are willing to step in faith and believe God and trust God. We can get to the point where everything's taken care of in our life. I, I've gotten that way, and the church takes care of me well, and we, you know, it's not like earlier days where we were just praying for some food to come in. I remember days where we didn't have nothing, and we were begging God, and now everything's in, and we're comfortable. We open up our pantry. Look at all that stuff. You know, sometimes I think what would be good for us is not to have all that stuff and have more God. And I'll tell you, man, your family needs you not only to be patient, but they need to see you walking by faith. How do we expect our children to serve God someday when we won't, only to a point of comfort or discomfort? Help us, God. Fathers should influence their children in good and wise decisions. Of course, we see that in the life in in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the life of Moses. Moses had to make hard decisions. One of the things he had to make hard decisions that was right off the bat, he had to leave Egypt. He could have been Pharaoh. But you know, he chose God and the people of God. Boy, that's not happening much today. Moses could have been a man of power and wealth and respect and honor and all the glory of Egypt at his fingertips. Uh, 11 verse 24, I'll read the one verse and we'll move on. It says this about Moses. He said, by faith, Moses, when he come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Hey, hey, listen, there's pleasure in sin. No doubt about it. That's the pull. That's the lure. But it's for a season. And then when the season is over, then there's carnage, heartache, broken lives. There's no doubt about it. Some things are it's pleasurable. It's enjoyable. But just because of that doesn't mean it's something we need to do. Because it's for a season. And number one, it dishonors God. Please, please, men, choose. Make the right decision to faithfully serve your God. Turn from this world and all the things they want you and I to do. You know, Moses was offered sin, but he refused it. He exchanged the treasures of of, of, of Egypt for a life of rigor, suffering, hardness, and lack. But he sure pleased God. And he led the Jews to their promised land to the door of it. And he himself couldn't go in. That's a sad story. But dads, I don't know how much time we got in this world, but let's lead our children toward the things of God. Got to have faith. Got to make good choices. Lastly, fathers should influence their children about the judgment to come. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, we hear of Noah. Noah built an ark for the saving of his family. The wickedness of man was grieving God, and God made a decision. What was God's decision? To judge God humanity. Throughout the Bible, we see times where God says, okay, you better get right. You better do this. You better not do that. And God goes along that way. He's long-suffering. And then God says, that's it. I've drawn a line. God draws a line. Man goes over. What happens? Judgment. Folks, there's a judgment coming. The Bible's been talking about it, warning, preachers, prophets been warning. There is a tribulation just around the corner. Jesus is coming, and then everything's going to blow apart. You think things are bad now? No. The tribulation period is coming, and some, if you're not saved, you're going to be left to go through it. How many days, how many years? I don't know. A lot of people are going to die. You're talking about people dying of a virus. This world's going to face something they've never seen before. This is just a little illustration right now. But God warned the people, and Noah preached to the people. He begged with the people. He told them judgment was coming, a flood was coming. He'd never seen the flood before. But he was faithful to preach about it. And here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 3:20. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. That verse has nothing to do with baptism. It just meant that there were eight souls that went in the ark and were saved from the judgment of the flood. And it's a picture of judgment to come. And there's a coming judgment. And I imagine when when Noah was faithfully preparing the ark, every day there are people there mocking and laughing and making fun of him. and He'd say he's crazy, he's a crackpot, he's a loon, he's a crazy man. What does our world think of us today? You bunch of crazy people, don't you know this is a pandemic and you're going to church? That's how they feel about it. All the news about the rally last night. But it's okay to do other things. I don't want to be political. But they look at, say, look at those crazy people. Look at those Christians. I, I, I drove up in my driveway after preaching online before we ever had people. And I had neighbors just shake their head at me. Some of them upset. I could tell they were upset with me because I went to church. And I'll tell you what, that's the way the world thinks today. You're a nut. You're a crackpot. You're a fanatic. Oh, my goodness. I just want to know what God thinks. I want to care what God cares about. So dads, as we look at Father's Day today, there's all these things that our children need from us. And if anything we need to do, we need to be dads like Noah that are warning others of the judgment to come. He got his family in the ark. I say to dads today, is everybody in? You know, I, I, I run into people sometimes and they tell me their salvation story. They'll say, yes, sir, I'm saved. And I'll say, well, tell me how you got saved. And they tell me how they got saved. And yeah, they they repented. They asked Jesus in their heart by faith. They even went to church for a while. Something happened and they get out of church. They got offended in some way. Something happened. They get out of church. They're mad at God. And then you meet them 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later. And they'll tell you their story. And then I'll say to them, man, you need to get right. You need to get back to church. Okay. And sometimes they do. But then I find out after knowing them for a while, that their wife's not saved, their children aren't saved, and they're not even going to try to get them to church. How can that happen? How can a father make sure he's going to heaven and not that his children are going with him? How can a mother say, I'm a Christian, but I don't know about my kid"? How can you even sleep at night? Hey, it's about time for us on Father's Day, gentlemen, to do like Noah and warn about the wrath to come, warn about the judgment. Make sure your family's safe. He said, man, Noah didn't get a whole lot of people in. He got eight souls in. And we can win the whole world to Christ if we don't try to win our own family. It's a shame. So I've um, talked about the influence of fathers. Go back to Isaiah 38 and we're done. I need you to read that verse one more time today. Isaiah 38 and verse 19. Everybody there? The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. Daddy, are you making known the truth of God in your home, with your babies, with the people that you can influence? Let's pray. And Father, we thank you for your help today to bring this message. And Lord, we know that it is a single message, but I've had single messages, Lord break my heart and change my ways. I pray if there's one here today that's not saved, I pray, Lord, before they just live another day that they'll get on their knees and repent and receive you, Jesus, as their Savior. On this Father's Day, Heavenly Father, we want to please you. We lift up the name of Jesus, and we ask you, dear Holy Spirit of God, to honor the Father today, too, and keep working on hearts in the matter of salvation. Help us that are Christians here today, men and women and children, that, Lord, will please you and we'll uh, we'll have these, these different characteristics in our life that other people are blessed by. Now, Lord, bless this Father's Day. Bless those that have been assembled today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.